0: I want to speak to you for a few moments, and I really mean that for a few moments, because we have some uh, food waiting for us. But I want to speak to you for a few moments. We have been talking about uh, divine interruption, divine interruption for the past couple weeks. In the past, uh, for, the, for this is for for the whole month, uh, we started with how God uh, um, interrupts our life in many areas and in many uh, situations. But I want to speak to you for a moment how Jesus interrupts the outcasts, and I want to speak to you for a moment. On, on the topic about how it's important for us as a church, as a congregation, as uh, we are part of the community, part of the city, that we have, uh, understand that we must have a heart to reach the outcasts, those people who are, Jesus has a, a passion for, and he has a desire to reach those individuals. Because, you know, as we talked about the past couple of weeks, how Jesus interrupts the faithful and, and Jesus interrupts the, the comfortable and, and so on. You know, but we want to speak to those how Jesus interrupts the life of those who are at outcasts. Those who that people don't think they have any hope. Those people who think that, uh, that maybe they, they, they have no, uh, no, no hope in their life. But how many know that, that as long as we call upon the name of the Lord, there's hope for our life. And there's hope in our, in, our, in our spirits. I want to start with a scripture in the book of Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, you can follow here on the screen here in a moment. But in Luke chapter 5, verse 27, we'll lay the foundation down of where we're going. Hallelujah. So as we are talking today on the subject of Jesus interrupt the outcast, in Luke chapter 5, verse 27, says this, Later as Jesus left the town... He saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his house with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of the religious law complained bitterly to Jesus disciples why do you eat and drink with such scum Jesus answered them healthy people don't need a doctor sick people do I have come to call not those who think they are righteous but those who know they are sinners and need to repent Centuries ago, let me read this to you. Centuries ago, a number of workers were seen dragging a great marble block into the city of Florence, Italy. It had come from the famous marble mines of Carrara. and was intended to be made into a statue of a great Old Testament prophet. But it contained imperfections. And when the great sculptor Donato saw it, he refused it again. So they laid it at the cathedral yard, a useless block. One day, another sculptor caught the sight of the flawed block. But as he examined, there arose in his mind something of immersed beauty, and he resolved to sculpt it. For two years, the artist worked on the work of art. Finally, on January 25, 1504, the greatest artist of the day assembled to see what he has made of this despised and rejected block. Among them were Boticilio, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Pedro Portigino. This is an Italian name now, bear with me. The teacher of Raphael. As the as the veil dropped to the floor, the statue was met with choirs of praise. It was a masterpiece. And the succeeding centuries have confirmed that judgment. Michelangelo's David is one of the greatest work of art the world have ever known. See, Jesus saw in the flaws of life of Levi, this tax collector, Matthew, the writer and evangelist. Jesus still sees the woman and man in his com- com- accomplished artist eye today. You know, the world might look at us and the world might look at your life, the world might look at your situation, they, they think, well, you know what, they're just a worthless piece of, of humanity or, they, or they, they don't see as hope for you. But in the eyes of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the eyes of our God, He sees an incredible, beautiful masterpiece in your life that it can be brought back to life. It can be brought back for something beautiful. You know what, what the world thought it was a waste, God sees it as a beauty Ain't you glad that this morning, that in your personal life, that no matter where you have been, no matter what you've done, and no matter the mistakes you've done in life, that there is a God who sees perfection in your life, that he can remove all the impurities of your life and restore you back together to a beautiful place that he can call his own. My friend, that is a wonderful thing to understand, that there is hope in each one of us because we were all in that place of worthless according to the world, according to what what people think, but thank God that he picked me up and turned my life around. And here I am serving the Lord this morning because what the Lord has done done in my life, in spite of what anybody thought of me. And my friend, that is the celebration that we're talking about this morning. 90 years of, of reaching a lost community. 90 years of existing to reach those who are hurting around us. My friend, that speaks about our founding fathers who understood that there will be a time in a place where we need to be a lighthouse for a surrounding community, that this area will need a lighthouse to reach the laws. that in spite of what anybody thought in the opposition that came against it and attacked That might have come against the church, that the church continue to go forward because it's so humanity as important and say, in spite of what people might look at or think of, there is hope for each one of us this morning. You see, one of the important things that we understand as we are coming, how God interrupts the outcast, is by number one, recognizing our sins. To recognize our sins when we are, in Jesus interrupts the life of an individual. One of the things that we must understand and realize, that we must realize our sins and realize our mistakes. The scripture says this, that as the scripture says, no one is righteous, not even one. Also, the Bible says that, that, that everyone has sin, we all fall short of God's glory standard. Another verse says this: When Adam sinned, sin entered the world, and Adam sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. From this verse, we learn that there is not a person who have ever existed who have not sinned. I have sinned, and you have sinned. Our grandmothers have sinned. The Pope has sinned. Oh Lord, help us. Billy Graham have sinned. Think of the godliest person you have ever known or heard about and realize that no matter how good of a person they might be, they all have sin. And yes, too, I hate to break it to you, Miss Verna, Leon is not perfect. But there's hope. The problem of sin is, is universal one. Everyone has sinned. The first action we must take in response to the the conviction Jesus brings is to recognize our state of sinfulness. Listen, this is the first step to realize when Jesus interrupts the life of an outcast. is to realize first of all that recognize our sins, recognize our mistakes recognize that if we are going to experience this beautiful thing that we call Christianity and walking with the Lord, one of the first things that we do when we come to the altar or we give our heart to Jesus is to recognize that we are sinners and we are not perfect. It transforms our life. It changes our life when we realize that we not come to play games, but we come to allow the Spirit of God to transform and change us forever to make us a new image, to make us a new life before him. See, the first action we must take in response to the conviction Jesus brings is to recognize our state of sinfulness. In our text, we find that there are some who take this all-important step, and there are others who do not. Those who Jesus describes as healthy and righteous are those who have yet to recognize their state of sinfulness and now those terms will usually be used in to describe those who, uh, who have it all together. But in this case, they're used to describe those who think that they have, all, have it all together, but in reality they don't. You can come and you think that everything's perfect and your life is going great. But just you discover and realize that, no, you are away from God and you're far from God. You can have it all on the outside. It looks beautiful. And on the outside, it looks perfect. On the outside, it looks great. You can have the new car, the new house, the perfect marriage and so on. But in reality, we can be away from God. On the outside, it looks Fantastic. But what what matters is the inside. Where's our soul? Where are we going to spend eternity? My friend, this is something that we don't want to preach about no more. This is something that we don't want to talk about no more from the pulpit because somebody's going to get offended. Somebody's going to get upset. My friend, I'd rather you be offended and go to heaven. But it's the reality that we live on today. You see, the sickest and biggest sinners in the world are those who refuse to recognize their own sinful. Sometimes they are religious people, like the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Sometimes they are people who think they are above the law. Many times are people who, who, who describe themselves as good, moral, law, law-abiding citizens. The one thing all of these people have in common is that they believe that they somehow They have either obtained righteousness on their own or they have no need for righteousness at all. You can get to a place that you believe you don't need none of that, that you don't need of God, that that you have arrived where you are because of your own ability and and your own strength. But in reality, we all depend on the Lord. Have you looked at your heart lately? What do you see? If all you see is righteousness and goodness, quit fooling yourself and recognize that you, just like everyone else, have sinned and, ha- and are in need of a cure. We all need a cure of the Lord Jesus Christ. We all need understanding. Listen, we all have loved ones. We all have people that we care about that, we, that, 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 that need the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's what we as a church, we need to start thinking and understanding that we must evangelize our community, that we must evangelize our neighborhood, that we must invite people to the house of God and get a hunger and a thirst because I believe the time is near, the coming of the Lord is near. But not only recognize our sin, but also respond to his call. You see, once we have recognized that we are sinners, we need to do something about it. And that's something we need to do is follow Jesus and accept his offer of forgiveness and eternal life. You know, this is something, I might not be talking to everybody, but maybe just one person. Maybe I'm talking to somebody watching us online this morning that you need to realize that, yes, you might think you got it all together, but in reality, you're falling apart. And our only hope is Jesus, that our only hope is to look into the Messiah and say, Lord, I need you more than ever. And understand that there's hope, and understand that there's restoration, and understand that there's a breakthrough when we surrender our life completely to the Lord. Jesus said that he come to call sinners to repentance. To repent means to change your mind. It means to quit following the sinful nature and begin to manifest the nature of Christ in your life. When we repent, my friend, our life changes. Our life is transformed. It's no longer the same. You are going on this direction, but now you're going in this direction. Something happened in your life that you are no longer the same. We repent. In other words, we change our mind. It means to kick the sin man out 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 the door and let the God man inside. That you become a new husband, you become a new father, you become a new dad. There's a change in your life because Christ lives in you. It's, there's a difference. People can tell a difference in your life. I was preaching about this last week. You know what, if you're going to live for Christ, live for Christ. Don't, don't call yourself a Christian and, and, and make us all look bad. Is it easy? No. Is it possible? Yes. As we trust the Lord to help us and give us the ability and the strength that we need to keep going forward, we respond to the, to the call of the Lord. It means to, to give possession to yourself, to Jesus Christ, and let him take control. Jesus said that he will call us to repent. See, there are two possible responses to Jesus' invitation, and I'm almost finished. First of all, first one is rejection. This seems in the response of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the reason they rejected Jesus' invitation is because they had not yet recognized that they were, in fact, sinners. You know what, as long as you, as long as you don't realize you need God, you don't, need to, you don't have time for him. Instead of turning to one who would save them, they placed themselves in the throne of their own righteousness and asked, why do you eat with, and drink with such scum? They thought they were too good for the people Jesus was keeping company with. They believed that they were holding to the higher moral ground. But through their rejection of Christ, they were proven that they were more immoral than the rest of the crowd. They thought they were too good for themselves, that I don't need none of the Jesus stuff. I can do it all on my own. My friend, you can't do it on your own. You need the Lord to help you. You need the Lord to save you. You can't do it on your own ability. Pastor Eric, not only rejection, but also the reception. You see, this was the choice of Levi, Matthew. Now, there are several things we can say about this tax collector, Levi. He was undoubtedly skilled in writing and keeping record. He was apparently well-versed in the Old Testament, since the gospel he wrote quotes more from it than any other gospel writer. He left a high position to follow Jesus. One difference between Matthew and the others Jesus called was that Matthew was a man of means. Now listen to me. This is important. We know this simply by virtue of his occupation. But it also demonstrates in our text Matthew had the money to pay for a banquet. And he also held this banquet at his house. Big enough for all those guests. If the other disciples have chosen to leave Jesus, they could just went back to fishing for a living. But Matthew have gave up everything to follow Jesus. You see, sometimes following Jesus can cost you everything. Sometimes when you have made up your mind to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes it costs you your friends. Sometimes you start being on on Facebook because you put in Christian verses now and you invite him to church. My friend, sometimes following Jesus, it costs you something. But let me tell you something. it might may, may cost you something, but the reward is a whole lot better. The reward is so much better. You know what? I better walk. Oh, my goodness. I'd rather walk by myself and walk with Jesus than walk with a lot of people and away from Jesus. I need the Lord on my side. Where do you find yourself today? Do you find yourself in a state of rejection? What Jesus has to offer? Are you holding on to self, refusing to come to Christ in repentance? Or are you like Matthew ready to give up what the world has to offer to receive what Jesus has to give to you listen my friend this is something that we're all confronted with the reality of serving the Lord and maybe at one time in your life you were confronted with this question but we all need to understand that we need to come to Jesus. My last point is this: reach out to others. Listen to me. Reach out to others. Do you know what is seven, seven hundred fifty thousand miles long? Reaches around the earth thirty times and grows twenty miles longer each day. The answer is this: the line of people who are without Christ. Those who have responded to Jesus' call are expected to reach out to others. Verse 29 tells us that Matthew held a great banquet with Jesus as the guest of honor. Now, what was the purpose of this banquet? I'm convinced that it was to prove opportunity for those in audience, in attendance to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. He said, you know what? I'm going to invite Jesus to this big banquet and I'm going to give you all guys opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. The very people who were receptive to the gospel's message, those people knew that they were sinners. There were no religious pretense. These are the people that Jesus came to save. These were the people that they were willing to admit their failures and mistakes that Jesus come for those who need healing. Those who need a Savior. and this is what this is all about. You know what? We thank God for all the wonderful things and the wonderful encouraging messages and prosperity and blessings. But the reality is this. The gospel is to be preached to those who are lost. The church, the four walls of the church exist to disciple those who come to hear the message of hope. You see what happened? We have turned the church into a museum and turned it into a hospital for those who are hurting and need to hear the gospel of salvation. This is what it's all about. To reach the lost. An artist, an artist seeking to depict on a canvas the meaning of evangelism. Painted a, painted a storm at sea. Black clouds filled the skies, illuminated by a flashing of lightning. A boat could be seen under the pounding of the ocean. Men were struggling in the swirling water. Their anguished face cry out for help. The only glimpse of hope appeared in the foreground of the painting, where a large rock stood out of the water and there clenching desperately with both hands was one long seaman. It was moving scene, He was a moving scene. Looking at the painting, one could see in the tempest, a symbol of mankind's hopeless condition. And true to the gospel, the only hope of salvation was the Rock of Ages, a shelter in the times of storm. But as the artist reflected upon the work, he realized that the painting did not accurately portray his subject. So he discarded the canvas and painted another. It was very similar to the first. The black clouds, the flashing lightning, the angry water, the little boat crushed by the pounding waves, and the crew mentally struggling in the water. In the foreground, the seaman was clenching to the large rock for salvation. But but the artist made one change. The survivor was holding with one hand, and with the other hand, he was reaching down to pull up a drowning friend. See, that's the New Testament picture evangelism the hand reaching down to rescue someone else. That's what we are supposed to do. Reach out for those who are drowning in despair. Reach out to those who are drowning in sin. It could be your very own spouse. It could be your very own children. It could be your very grandchildren who are away from God and they're dying until that hand is extended. There's no gospel and there's no hope for the world until we extend our hand. There's a story told by a man named John Harper. John Harper was one of the passengers of the Titanic. The Titanic was crossing the Atlantic and it hit that iceberg and it started to sink. Many of you know the story. There was a man on that ship named John Harper. According to witnesses, they're they told that this man, he, he, he was able to have a life jacket. And this man, as he was going through the waters, and he started to evangelize. He started to ask people if they knew Jesus. And he was swim from one person to another person. And he was he will ask him do you know Jesus and they say no he will ask him do you want to know Jesus and they will give their heart to Jesus on that moment and he will swim to another person and he will ask the same question do you want to know Jesus they say yes and he will pray for them and they will give their heart to the Lord and he will do that over and over and people will witness this who told the story about this man he finally, he comes to the last, uh, to another man. He said, do you know Jesus? And the man says, no, I don't want nothing to do with Jesus. I have nothing to do with God. So John Harper took his life jacket off and gave it to the man. He said, you're going to need it more than I do. He realized that if he died without God, it's worth for him. He took his life jacket and gave it to the man. And he went on swimming and reaching more for the gospel. My friend, that's where we need to be. We need to get desperate and realize that there are we're living in a time when people need to hear the hope, the gospel of salvation in their life more than ever before. It could be our very own neighborhood. It could be our own, own loved ones. But all, we all can do something. To, to make a difference why don't you get up upon your feet for a moment with every head bowed every eye closed let me ask this question real quick maybe you're here this morning and, and you're not walking with the Lord where you should be you need to make things right between you and God you need to make things right and you want to make sure without a doubt that you are walking with the Lord. And those who are watching online as well, maybe you are watching and say, you know what, Pastor, I need to make my life right. I need to give my heart to Jesus this morning. I need to make it right. If that's you, you here in this sanctuary, in the counter of three, lift your hand. We're not going to embarrass you. I ain't going to call you out. I just want to know how to pray for you. If you hear this morning say, Pastor, I need Jesus this morning. I need to make things right. This is a call of hope and salvation. If that's you, in the count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift them up quickly, quickly, quickly. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. All those hands. You can put them down. You can put them down. And those who are watching online. If you need to give the heart to the Lord, just comment are right there. Just comment, I need prayer, and we'll make sure we pray for you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for all the hands that were lifted up this morning in this building, God. Father, I pray for the hope that they now have. I pray, Lord, that they walk with you. Lord, they're making sure that they're walking with you. They're, they're making sure that they're going to a place called heaven, Lord, not hell. And I pray right now, Lord, that you will give them peace. Lord, give them clarity in their minds, and we give you the praise and the glory. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone says, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Ain't God good? Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Those who are watching online, we want to say thank you for watching. God bless you. God bless you.